0: When Jesus was in his time of active ministry, he spent a lot of time teaching and telling stories called parables to help people understand. He was trying to introduce a new way of looking at society, a new way of interacting with other people, even a new way of regulating the attitudes inside ourselves. His lessons were hard to understand for a lot of people, even his closest followers. And here we are, 2,000 years later, listening to the same lessons and the same stories. We struggle to understand, too. Here's just a little piece of what Jesus taught.
1: But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters... What more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. God.
0: Last month, I facilitated a class on faith questions. We spent a lot of time talking about the Trinity Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It isn't an easy concept. Does it mean we have three gods? No. We have one God, but three ways that God is revealed. We talked about how the Trinity, with those three manifestations of God, gives us a model of a community based on love, acceptance, respect, and forgiveness. We also talked about how the phrase that we are made in God's image may have less to do with how we look and more to do with the fact that we have been created with the ability to be in relationship with each other, to live in community. And that community is based on love, acceptance, respect, and forgiveness. Community is a wonderful thing, but I don't care how much two people love each other, if you put them in the same room for an extended period of time, chances are someone's feelings are going to get hurt. Or one person will, at the very least, bump into the other person, whether they mean to or not. Multiply that by millions of people in our society and billions of people on the planet And we can see why forgiveness is a good idea for getting along together. So Jesus is trying to teach people about love, about forgiveness, and Peter is just so human about it. He wants to get a clear picture of exactly what Jesus means. He wants to quantify forgiveness. Can't you just picture how this conversation must have gone? Peter, Lord... um, How many times do I have to forgive? I mean, just once, right? And if they do it again, pow. Jesus. Uh, Peter, forgiveness is actually really important. You're going to have to up your number just a little bit. Up my number, huh? Hmm. Let's see, more than one. How about seven? Seven is a really um, pretty big number. How's that? No. Seven isn't enough. It's going to have to be more times than that. More than seven? What? Okay, how about, I don't know, 20 times. That's really a lot. Peter, how many times have I forgiven you? Uh, Um, I, I don't know. A lot, I guess. Um, Stupid things I've said, bad choices I've made. I really haven't counted. Right. I don't count. And I don't want you to either. Forgiveness is a big concept. And we just want to put it into a manageable size and weight. You know that we can lift ourselves. Just like Peter. That verse in Matthew chapter 18 that says, Jesus told Peter not seven times, but 77 times. Um, that number can also be translated as 70 times seven. Jesus knows if the number's high enough, we will lose count, which is exactly the goal. After those verses with Peter and Jesus, there's a parable that's really hard to read. Not because it's hard to understand, but because it's so harsh. The king had one servant who owed him 10,000 talents. The servant couldn't pay, so the king was going to have him sold along with his family and his belongings to help pay, you know, some of it. The servant begged for mercy. And the king not only relented, he erased his debt. He gave him a free pass, a get-out-of-jail-free card, a chance to start fresh. Then that servant ran into another servant, who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him by the throat and said, "'Pay me what you owe.'" That servant begged for mercy, and the first servant refused and had him thrown in jail until he could pay. Now, a talent was about 130 pounds of silver. Just one talent— It was equal to 15 years of a laborer's wages. So the servant, who owed 10,000 talents, actually owed the king about 150,000 years of labor. In other words, he would never, ever be able to pay it back. A denarius was about a day's wage, which meant that the second servant owed the forgiven one about a hundred days of labor. No small debt. But still, everyone who hears this parable gets it. How could the forgiven one demand payment of that relatively minor debt when he had just been forgiven an impossibly huge one? So the other servants overheard, of course, and ran and told the king, who was pretty upset. He asked, should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant, as I had mercy on you. The king had him tortured until he would pay back his debt. That was a tactic kings used to force payment from a victim's family back in those days. The end of the parable says that this is what's going to happen to us if we don't forgive our brothers and sisters from the heart. I want to explain again that this is a parable a teaching story, right? So it uses extremes to make a point. And the point is that forgiveness is reciprocal. It's shared, joint, held in common. It's communal. We get forgiveness, so we also give forgiveness. It can't be otherwise in the kingdom of God. In the Lord's Prayer, we say, Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Since we forgive other people, we can also ask for forgiveness. The parable gives us the lesson. We have been forgiven, therefore we should forgive. They are the opposite order. They're the same two sides of the same coin. As it turns out, according to Jesus, according to God, forgiveness is not just a good idea when it comes to the maintenance of relationships and communities. Forgiveness is a theological necessity. If we don't, we don't need a king to hand us over to be tortured. Unforgiveness will do that all by itself. I happen to know about that. Because I have some experience with unforgiveness. There are a lot of really awful things in the world, right? Loved ones being killed by drunk drivers, spouses betraying each other, family members stealing from other family members, terrible abuse. If awful things were ranked, what happened to me would not be the worst by any means. But it was painful to me. When I was 12 years old, my father left. I lost my home, my school, my friends, my church. My mother and sisters and I learned what it meant not to have enough money for food and clothes, even though my mother worked seven part-time jobs to support us. The message I got from my father was, you don't matter. He never said that. But that's what I heard. I was so angry. So, so angry. And hurt. He was killed in a car accident when I was 19. I thought, I can't be angry at someone who isn't there, right? It took another 15 years for me to understand that the anger never went away. It just got buried by grief. I realized I had never forgiven my father for making me feel like I didn't matter, for taking so many important things in my life away from me. And I realized that that unforgiveness, that anger, that bitterness, even, had been this huge weight I had been carrying around all that time, over 20 years. I turned to God and said, Lord, I don't know what to do with this burden I have been carrying. But I am so, so tired. And God said, set it down. I will carry it for you. So I did. And darn it all, wouldn't you know, at the least provocation, I would pick it back up. I could go from zero to blazing mad in a heartbeat whenever I thought about all of the hurt and the anger I had felt. God is faithful. He kept reminding me of my need for forgiveness. So I would set that burden down and then I'd pick it right back up again. Do you know what I learned along the way? What, when Jesus said you have to forgive 77 times, he didn't mean different people. He meant the same person for the same thing. It was Martin Luther King Jr. who said, Forgiveness is not an occasional act. It is a constant attitude. May I confess to you that I still struggle to forgive my father. I was comforted recently when I read in Kathleen Fisher's wonderful book, Forgiving Your Family, that she says, we may think that forgiveness must be 100% to make a difference, like an a plus on a perfect paper. But in fact, moving toward 50% or even 10% counts. There are degrees of forgiveness. The key is to start somewhere and to keep trying. It's been a long, hard journey for me, but I'm in a much better place than I used to be. So if you're brave enough to hear it from a person who still struggles, I'd like to share some more things that I've learned along the way. First, reconciliation is another idea entirely, although forgiveness is a part of that. It's also a whole other sermon that we don't have time for today, so maybe another Sunday. Reconciliation takes two people doing significant Forgiveness work. Forgiveness by itself only takes one. You or me. So forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean we have to see that person or hang around them. They don't even have to be alive. It just means a change of heart inside of us. And please hear me when I say that if you are in an abusive relationship, forgiveness does not mean You have to stay with that person. God never, ever wants anyone to be abused. We can remove ourselves and lead a safe, healthy life and still forgive in our hearts. Second, the little stuff that happens every day that we have to forgive, you know, like um, bumping into somebody or whatever, Um, That just takes the right attitude and a little practice. But the big stuff, that takes help from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ himself. A good friend told me recently that she tried and tried to forgive, but didn't make any significant progress until she said, God, I can't do this on my own. I need your help. God is faithful and will give us all the help we need because forgiveness is God's will for us. It's not an instantaneous process, however. Third, we need to actually process and name the feelings we are having and perhaps have been carrying around for years in order to let them go. Is it anger, hurt, bitterness, Resentment, jealousy, betrayal, abandonment. I strongly encourage processing with a professional counselor, especially if the feelings are deeply painful. It takes time and effort and patience to do this work. Fourth, we have to give up our desire for revenge. This is such a human thing, right? We suffered, so we want the person who caused that for us to suffer. But do we really want to spend all of our energy on hurting someone else? There's an ancient Chinese proverb that says, the one who pursues revenge should dig two graves. The way to begin this step is to reframe how you think of the person who hurt you. Let me warn you that you have to be ready for this. So if you aren't, wait for a time that's better. It may take a couple of decades. The key is grace and mercy. Just like forgiveness, these are reciprocal in the kingdom of God. We are shown grace, which is unmerited love. We don't have to do anything to get it, right? So we are shown grace so we can extend grace we are shown mercy so we can extend mercy this isn't easy which is why we need God's help fifth maybe the hardest of all is that we have to give up the idea of changing the past now this may not make any sense to you but it sure did to me when I first encountered this as a step to forgiveness in order to forgive my father I had to accept once and for all that all of this bad stuff really happened. There was no more pretending or wishing that things could have been different. You may be convinced already that forgiveness is the way to go. On the other hand, you may be thinking, nope, not going to do it. If you're in this second camp, I would like to explain just a little bit Why we should forgive. Jesus taught us that forgiveness is a theological necessity for the kingdom of God, but it isn't just a rule we have to obey. In fact, that line from the parable in Matthew 18 that says we need to forgive from the heart doesn't happen if we're just going through the motions. Jesus was never about just blindly following rules, Jesus was all about relationships. If we are in relationship with God, we are entering into a covenant where we promise to love God and who? Our neighbor, right? Love God, love our neighbor, the two most important commandments. We are entering into a community of love, acceptance, respect, and yes, forgiveness. If we harbor hate in our hearts. That becomes a barrier between not just us and the other person to whom the hate is directed, but also between us and God. Do we really want to jeopardize our relationship with God just so we can continue to carry the burdens of bitterness and resentment that are so heavy anyway? Unforgiveness keeps us angry. Unforgiveness makes us bitter and unhappy. Unforgiveness makes us grumpy people with hard hearts that forget how to love. Forgiveness frees us from all of those burdens. It allows us to live in the peace that passes understanding that Jesus promises us. We have to live up to our part of the covenant, however, which takes some hard work and a lot of letting go. This is tough stuff. The good news is, God doesn't ask us to do it alone. God will give us grace in order to extend grace. God will give us mercy in our suffering so that we can heal enough to even think about extending mercy to the one who caused us pain. In a few minutes, we will have the opportunity to partake in Holy Communion. This is one way that we commune, right? We connect with God. The idea always is to confess anything that is separating us from God before we come to the table. Today, we will pray a prayer of confession together and hear the wonderful words of forgiveness that God gives us. If you do some soul-searching and find you have unforgiveness in your heart, I invite you to ask God to help you and also to talk it over with someone you trust. Let us pray. Oh God, how patient you are with our failures to love one another. We do need your help. Wash over us with your cleansing waters to all those places in us so parched with past pain. Open our eyes to the hope and peace that forgiveness can bring. Give us courage to follow your call. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.